De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss why enablement just can't be about sales anymore. Joining us is Kyle Lacey, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic, which is the global leader in enablement, helping make sales teams better by becoming more productive, engaging with buyers in a compelling way. And today, Kyle and I are going to discuss why enablement tech isn't about sales anymore. Okay, here's my conversation with Kyle Lacey, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to have a fellow marketing leader on board, Kyle. I have to say, you know, we're going to talk shop for a while, but cheers to you. You have a hard job. We have hard jobs. We have hard jobs. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode, folks. There we go. No. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. We have hard jobs and then no, we'll see you later, everybody. I love this topic because I have to say that so much of what I've seen in the market over the last 20 years, and I've been around the market that long, folks, is that there's been this division between this idea of selling and upselling. And quite often, I think that we see them as separate exercises. And quite often, I feel like the prospects and customers are the poor for the experience. And there, there are a couple of growth models that have been really picking their head up as kind of leading the way towards this merger and the one I want to start with is the flywheel model. I can't tell you, Kaya, who originated, but I feel like HubSpot's been doing the best job yeah. of really putting it out in the marketplace and promoting it. Is that, is that really what we're talking about today is this idea of how are we unifying our approach to ensuring that we as B2B marketers are successful, but also how we go about enabling the organizations that are responsible for making sure we're successful? Yeah, I think what's what's most important, and you you mentioned it, is that I mean this is this is something you learn in business school. Happier customers are cheaper, right? They'll buy more, and it's better revenue. And for those of us in software, like net dollar retention, like that, yes, like you want you want customers to be happy. You want to attract them, engage them, delight them, so that you can upsell them. And what's important about that is I think in the past enablement has focused on the tip of the spear of the sales team, when in reality, it should be spread across the entire life cycle. And that's why we talk a lot about customer facing teams, instead of just sales teams, because you have to keep attracting, engaging and delighting, you know, I'm going for those of you that don't know the flywheel, that's kind of the flywheel, the, the HubSpot flywheel that they, that they call out to attract, engage and delight will grow the company no matter what. And that's why it's important that enablement is unified across all of those because you don't want the CS team saying something different than the sales team and vice versa. But that's just one tactical example. Which they quite often are, right? Because they're enabled yeah. differently. So I think I want to pack a couple ideas here. When I, I want to spend just a couple of minutes on the flywheel, uh, Kyle, because you've kind of like rightly pulled out this idea of what it really is. 
And I, I would say it at its simplest, the flywheel is this concept of really abandoning the idea of a funnel, which is obviously very prospect focused. It's about selling. And it effectively says, how are we creating momentum and reducing friction simultaneously with the core being your customer and their experience? That's the flywheel, simply put. Gosh, I got to tell you guys, there's this thing called Google. Type in flywheel, <laughs> type in HubSpot. You're going to find this really quickly. So that's the flywheel. And I have to say that the enablement piece here, I think, is something we, we should unpack, Kyle. It's our job, right? Yeah. We're the heads of marketing. Again, everybody, our jobs are really hard. So let's unpack this. <laughs> what do we need, mean when we're saying enablement? You know, enablement goes from everything from content management to what the sales rep, what CS reps, like what they're using in the process, all the way to training and coaching, right? Like I can, I could list all the features, but ultimately it's how do you help your company grow revenue, but also grow people. And that's ultimately what enablement's all about from sales content management, all the way to buyer engagement, to content automation, to to learning and coaching. And, and I think what's most important about the flywheel conversation is that a enablement actually allows you to scale all of this stuff without, you know, changing platforms. I think that's the most important part is like, how are you, how are you enabling all your customer facing teams in a way that's meaningful with one view so that you understand what's actually working. So when we're talking about enablement, it's definitely giving them the right skills, content, tools, and insights. And that's, that's really it, to engage people to have the best experiences. Because if you look at that, engagement's what's the most important part of this flywheel, for sure, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like we all have experience what bad enablement looks like as B2B buyers. Yeah. Like we know what that looks like, right? And the number that comes to mind for me, this is a recent survey, but B2B buyers are always surveyed, right? And I think this was 2019, they were surveyed and 77% came back and said their most recent buying experience was either overly complex or too difficult. Yeah. Right. That feels like what bad enablement feels like for the prospect. What does it feel like for the leaders of marketing and sales organizations? Like, what does that look like for you, Kyle? And obviously, you're in an organization that has to have great enablement. I'm in an organization that has to have great revenue orchestration. It's what we do, right? Yep. But what does it look like? What does the bad enablement look like from a leadership standpoint? I, I think it all comes down to alignment. Like, if you have great enablement and it's holistic and it lives at the center of the go-to-market model, then there is there is alignment between sales, between CS, between marketing. So if you feel a lack of alignment between the sales org, especially if you're a marketer like us, if you feel like the content that you're producing is not being used by the sales team, if you feel like you're listening to calls and nobody's talking about the messaging framework you just rolled out, you've got bad enablement. And I, I would argue that a lot of companies are still have bad enablement because they just don't invest in it. Like it hasn't been, it hasn't been top of mind for a lot of people, but it's, it is so important to growth and to scale. Okay. And the heuristics for this are going to be some things that are really qualitative, right? Yeah. Listening to my sales intelligent recordings and every rep has a little bit different thing to say, Oh no, gosh, that's kind of micro. Let's talk about it. They're pitching differently. They're expressing yeah. the value prop <laughs> differently, right? They're, they're answering questions differently. Like that's okay. So, from the inside looking out, we know what it looks like just looking at you know recordings from sales intelligence, but we know the numbers are also pretty bad. Unpredictability probably is typical for that. So if you're listening in and you're experiencing this stuff, and I have to tell you, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It is fairly common. Kyle's here to help us. So where do you start when you've got that problem? What's the first place you would recommend people think about starting to get that correction? Because you talked about alignment. I feel like that's the end result. What's the beginning to solve for this problem? 
it depends on a lot of different variables, but for me coming from the training and coaching world, like the sales readiness world, I think it starts with onboarding, right? And if, and if you have, if you're in a sales led motion where, you know, account executives need to hit quota in order for you to hit revenue, right? Like a the sales led motion, sales led go to market model onboarding and their effectiveness is so important. Like you want to decrease onboarding and you want to increase their effectiveness. So they're doing deals in a quicker time frame, right? You do deals in a quicker time frame, your CFO is going to be pumped, right? Because you helped with the forecast model. So for me, and now I'm biased because I came from Lessonly. That's what we did was training and coaching, right? But I do think that that's where you can start. It's like, do you have the right content and an effective enablement program. And then after that, are you providing the right content for the sales team to increase win rates? Competition is a huge one here. Like, are they, can they jump over landmines from the competitive set? I mean, there's so many different variables here, but from what we've seen, because the buying process is complex, is that with the right enablement that drives alignment between all the go-to-market teams, like the conversion rates go up, the win rates go up, quota attainment goes up, onboarding time goes down, reps are more productive, right? And when you don't have that, you feel that because you will listen to a call, like you said, and you have five account executives saying the wrong thing when it came to some landmine that the competitor put down within the sales process. So there's a lot of different ways that you can, you can pick out whether or not you have bad enablement or not, but ultimately it's just about how do you unite a message train the rep to do it appropriately and then give the content needed within the sales process to drive the best experience and the best engagement. Okay. That totally makes sense to me. And I, and I have to say that I'm, I'm now thinking about this in the context of the flywheel. And I'm thinking about this in the context of how we have organizations that are, you know, frankly, both full of really talented, caring, dedicated people. And let's say that this broadly is the sales organization versus the CX organization. Is there a difference in the way we would enable these organizations or are we effectively saying as long as we have an enablement program, it's going to work for everybody? I do. It really depends on the business model, right? Like is CS quota attaining, right? Like that's, that has, that plays into it. Are they mainly account managers? Like, is there a services portion of the CS role? Like I think ultimately great enablement helps with handoffs as well, right? Like making sure that that what the AE is talking about and the content that they're sharing and what they're saying is transferred appropriately to the CS and the AM team to say, when you do the QBR a quarter from now, you probably shouldn't be saying something differently than what we, like what we sold on or our, our value prop or anything you can list under that realm. So it really depends on the business model, but ultimately it's about, do you have an enablement program? That's great. Like if you have an enablement program and you want to put CS and sales together, fine, as long as you have one. But you have to, I think as enablement programs grow, they do change and shift depending on the goals of, of each business unit, for sure. I think it's fair, right? It's absolutely critical that we're in a place where we say that we can arm the people that are talking to prospects and customers with the right materials, the right content, and really the right approach, if you will. So let's talk about the technology piece. Let's unpack this. So we have a rubric we can work with right now, which is to basically say enablement's good, yeah. <laughs> and enablement should be focused on not just your sales organization, but also your CS organization. So is there differences in terms of the technology that would support those organizations? Or really, at the end of the day, is this the same tech, just maybe refactored? I'd say same tech, refactored. I, I think what's interesting is that, you know, for content management, 
the same pieces of content that the sales reps might be using in the, in the sales process, like case studies, as an example, or maybe we have a one sheet of the Forster wave, like the CS reps are also going to be using that. There might be different pieces of content, like different types of content, whether that's an onboarding, you know, the product onboarding or Q and a, or any of that other stuff, but it's the same tech and you're learning and coaching for a sales rep fairly similar to CS. Like you want to onboard CS reps faster as well. And it's not only onboarding, it's also continuously training and improving the performance of the teams so that they can grow in their careers, but you also grow as a company. So there might be a little bit difference in terms of like strategy and planning, but it's all, all the same tech, even like buyer engagement, right? Like personalization of live docs or whatever. The, the CS reps are also personalizing QBR decks, right? So it might not be a pitch deck, but they're also using the same technology. Yeah, I feel like the nuance is going to be on that engagement piece, right? Yeah. You've got the sales organization that's really pitching and prioritizing an understanding of the value prop of the solution, whereas that customer gets it, or gosh, let's hope they get it. <laughs> Otherwise, we have a problem. They get it, but we talked about upsell, cross-sell upsell, like, if your CS team is quota bearing and you have a upsell, cross-sell revenue number, there's also those components within the QBR process where you want the customers to love the product that they bought. But if you're like us, where we launched the enablement cloud and it's a platform, you want them to also know about, hey, you've been using the content management portion of this, but there's a great learning and coaching. And those CS reps are also using the same thing the sales reps are using, right? So that's that's part of the alignment as well, is that it needs to be, all the content needs to be fairly similar. Well, I hate to do this, Kyle, but I got to tell you, I got I to have a conversation about drinking your own champagne. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. All right. So Seismic, Seismic is an organization that has done a really great job of creating a category around this idea of enabling salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to guess that Seismic is typically in with the salespeople first. But a part of your job has got to be about making sure that your sales organization, once they land a prospect, turns them into a customer that at the end of the day, you can upsell to. So how do you guys go about as marketers? How do you guys go about thinking about enabling those cross-sale motions? Again, sorry, Kyle, your own champagne here, my friend. But how do you guys think about that? Because I think that you get to see this every single day. You have hundreds of engagements in your portfolio that tell you best practices in many ways. Yeah, I would say that it is. I mean, it is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, especially as the company grows and there's more product SKUs and you've got to figure out messaging. I mean, it starts with product marketing. You know, the way that we build our product marketing teams out are very much focused on our pillars of our platform. And so that's the use cases, personas, the customer stories. It is then taken to corporate marketing team, which then builds campaigns. And then we work directly with our enablement team, which is like you said, we are best in class enablement team. And then they enable the sales and CS teams on, on, all, on how to talk about the difference between like, hey, you've been using content management for three years. This is why you should probably think about learning and coaching. What's interesting though about our, our persona is we, we sell mainly into sales enablement. So we're, we're experiencing the same thing that Gainsight did when they came out with cu the customer success person, right? And the, you saw the you saw the job title of customer success go like this over like a decade period or five I don't know the time frame but it was five to ten years, 
we're experiencing the same thing on enablement where that job title is now skyrocketing into a bunch of people have the enablement title. What's interesting about enablement is that they might not live in sales. They might live in marketing. They might live in operations. They might live in finance in very small parts of the world. But so for us, we have to better understand, you know, there's like 11 people involved in the buying process. Now, I don't care what you're selling. You know this, right? Demand unit. Yeah, absolutely. But that's what's so important is that we have to understand, all right, if the enablement team lives in operations, how do we get the sales team to better understand the value of this? Because if they don't use it and they don't believe in the value of it, then anything else that we want to sell them from social content planning to learning and coaching, it doesn't matter because the reps aren't. The sales leaders have to fall in love with it as well. So that's part of the process that we have to think through. But it, it, always starts at product management, product marketing, building campaigns around how we think to talk to different buying units. I love that you brought up Gainsight, by the way, Kyle. I think that's a perfect analog to what you guys are going through, right? Gainsight, if you guys haven't explored what Gainsight did, they took this, I can't remember the name of the brand they took over or the company they took over, but it was- yeah, I can't remember. Jbor or some really ridiculous, JC, something. It was some, it was some uh, not great brand, but- it wasn't just a brand takeover. They had to create a lifestyle brand to go create this idea of customer experience yeah. to lift the brand. Really incredible case study. I got to tell you, if you just Google that, I think just Google Gainsight category creation, get a wealth of materials. Yeah, there's a great Anthony Canada, who is their CMO and kind of he, he grew up with Gainsight. Basically, there's a great YouTube video out there where he's explaining. He actually wrote a book on category creation, but he's explaining like what they went through. I highly recommend you finding it. It's great. Well, you guys are going to need to tune in because Kyle and I are both publishing books really soon, right, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> Am I? No. no. Gosh, I got to say, I don't know. I don't understand how a CMO ever has time for that type of thing. It's really impressive when they do. I'll have to tell you, man, I've published three and it's been a while since I published one. I probably will never do it. <laughs> All right. Well, you're three and oh on me, my friend. You're three and oh on me. <laughs> Kyle, really enjoyed the conversation. I think we need to unpeel this idea of enablement versus engagement, though. I, I think we're edging up to this idea of what those differences are. But I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kyle Lacey, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Seismic, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Kyle and I are going to discuss the merger of enablement and engagement. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Kyle, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Kyle P. Lacey, or visit his company website at seismic.com. Just one link on our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.